Hi, I wasn't here this morning. Yeah, so I'm listening to you. It's fine. Um, I just, yeah, um, it's, it's interesting when you talk to certain people who are Christian and it's almost like, as a Christian, I should be pro-Israel and almost really pro-Israel. And if you're not pro-Israel, there's something a little bit funny with you, right? I mean, some people have that expectation. But it's interesting that you talk about Israel being, well, more metaphorical in a way. Well, no, I don't know. Yes, okay, go on, go on. Um, Rather than a land, right? Um, So, what is our, what should our view be about the land? If we're talking about um, the tribulation and the full effects of what's coming next, people have a real heart for the Palestinians. People have a real heart, and so there's this sort of divide on it. And is it less or more Christian to be like, you know what? I have a heart for those. <laughs> Which side do I stand on yeah. here? Because I'm kind of seeing atrocity on both. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, great question. Come here. Touch my hand. Oh. Am I metaphorical? Oh, you're right. I'm, yeah. I'm real? I'm still real? Okay. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Israel is as real as it can get. I can touch. I can sit here. If we're grafted into it, we're a people. I can choose not to be a part of the house of Israel. But I've been invited to be grafted into something. But I'm being grafted into his way, his truth, his life. Not mine. Not my version of it. Not 30,000 denominations later. So it's very real. Israel is real. Do you know how pro-Israel I am? I love my Jewish friends. Okay? I also love my non-Jewish friends. I understand that a lot of the truths that we can now understand even as a body is because something was preserved for 2,000 years by the tribe of Judah, right? The whole issue is, is if I make it about a piece of dirt, then I get in a confused place, don't I? Because I see pictures of Palestinian babies piled up from missiles. And I'm supposed to somehow think this is what my king wants? It's confusing, isn't it? Do you see where it leads us? You see, I don't have to look at a fallen state of man to sit there and say that is right. But if I'm taught that Israel is something that it isn't, then blowing up babies can become okay as long as it's done in the name of Israel. Now, we all know in our spirit that that's not true. But do I blame the Jewish person for that? The average person, I mean, I, I, I've been to the land. I have close Jewish friends. I do not blame them for how this whole thing's being misrepresented. In fact, I can't stand seeing them and us both in a state of confusion as to where is God in this picture? Because it's getting pretty ugly. And what you're asking is so, so real of a question. It's not even funny. And this is exactly why I was trying to say, let us know what Israel is. Let us not be apart. Do you know that it says in the last days, sorry, in the end times, there is a warning twice sitting in the book of Revelation alone. And do you know what it says? In the last days there will be those who call themselves Jews and who are what? Of the synagogue of Satan. 
Who are they? I'm not calling myself a Jew. Do you know that I have friends, friends that are, honestly, this is his precious people in the tribe of Judah. I know it's not them. So who is it? Yet I stood on the court of footsteps outside of the Knesset. We had a chance to sit down and take part in a, in a, in a Knesset meeting. In the land of Israel, and I come out and I walk into a courthouse sitting beside it. And you're walking up 33 steps in a design in a pyramid with an eye on the top. What's going on? What is happening? If I sit there and believe that the news, every time it tells me Israel has done this, and then I'm taught from a Christian perspective, if I don't support Israel, and you sit there with your shame and your guilt, what I'm saying is let the truth set you free. Israel is a people. And we don't sit there and support bombs going into a Jewish family's home, you know, right now in a part of the land of Israel any more than we do. Because you know what? I do not believe that my king sitting on the throne is into the sort of destruction and violence we are seeing on both sides of the fence. And we are being led into this. We're going to keep getting suckered into this so that we can do this kind of support on either side. I've heard vehement arguments for the Palestinian side. And I'm sitting there going, you're just as wicked You want them now to blow up my Jewish friends and family. I'm sorry, I don't buy that one either. You see, we're buying into something. Who's creating this? Who's the God of this world? You see, what am I bought into here? What we need to do is know Him. And He walks in the midst of this violence, this corruption, this deception. And He says, do you love Me? This is who I am. He'll give a glass of water to someone dying. Food to someone starving. I'm sorry. I get passionate about this fantastic question. I'm really sorry. I'm going to shut up. I'll keep going. So, but awesome question. Does that help? (laughs) Did it help set you free? Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, it's how he defines Israel, not me. And when you get that definition, it can start to make, bring, set you free. You're welcome. Uh, can I mind? Aunt Kate, you, you mentioned um, this morning that God divorced um, ten of the tribes of Israel. That's the first time I heard that. And I know the tribes are scattered all over the world. Now, I was educated to a certain extent in this subject by a lady called Anna Arnold. And um, she filled me in on the whole situation. Um, I'm no expert on it. But she said that there are people from the whole 12 tribes now back in Israel they've, God has brought them back so there's ten there's a lot you hear a lot of like the British Israeli doctrine British Israelism yep. they went to England and the English uh, Jews <laughs> something like that and all sorts of weird ideas but she said these these people have been brought back by uh, God to the land of Israel, what we call Israel, or Palestine, or Israel, or whatever you want to call it, um, 
the Jews are starting to uh, occupy now. Um, yeah, um, could you comment on that um, a bit more about that subject? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Can we turn to Ezekiel uh, 37? Um, does anybody re remember me putting Ezekiel on there on this morning? Okay. The, um, by the way, great question. Very good question. Uh, no, I just, I don't want to lose the other question. This is another one. I'll just jump into Ezekiel quickly. Okay. So, um, now, Ezekiel is seeing a vision. Now, we've, has anybody heard of the vision of the Valley of the Dry Bones? Okay. And we've been sold the story that this was what was created by the United Nations in 1948. Now, don't get me wrong. Are we seeing prophecy unfold with a part of the land of Israel being reestablished at this time? Yes. But know this. What you see in the Middle East today is not the fulfillment of the Davidic Covenant. It is a very small portion of what has been promised to the people of Israel. Okay? So that's one thing. Very, very small portion. All right. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. Okay, so notice this is in the valley of the shadow of death, not the mountaintops. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were many on the surface and of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh God. You know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Okay, so this is interesting. These tribes where the condition was broken by God himself were prophesied to be scattered to the four corners of the earth. And in fact, the numbers would be so great that they could not be numbered. Nations around the world. There is a component, I believe, probably of every tribe right now sitting back in, the, in a small portion of the land of Israel. But this is far from the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. And it nowhere is near the numbers of the house of Israel. Okay? Yes. Very good. Say that again. Man, fantastic. They should be called Israelis. Oh, thank you. Okay. The Jews, yeah. the Jews are just one tribe. Yes. Yes, but we are told constantly in the media and in our teachings and everything else that it's always what? So then when something goes wrong over there, it creates an anti-Semitism towards what? The Jews. That's just one tribe, though. This one tribe, yeah. But if everything's going to lay at their feet the blame, or on the other side, everything they do must be right, then we will miss the bigger picture. What you just said is absolutely true, sir. But it does not exist in the heart of the church. He created a Hebrew culture that has 12 tribes that make up the house of Israel and they should be called Israelis. But everything is given this sort of, it's always Jewish, always Jewish, always Jewish, to the point that even the appointed times that we're talking about over the next three weeks have even been taken away from God himself. They're his. They're not even Israelis. 
It's really incredible. So what is going on? If we're honest with what we're reading in scriptures, this goes on. And by the way, actually, there's some typology that gets into the actual gathering here. Um, in Ezekiel, if you read right through to 37, right through to uh, 28, you're going to see a massive prophecy of these things coming to life. And it's literally in there is the gathering or what you might think of as the harpazo or the rapture, that there is something that's going to occur here that he's going to bring to life. The Davidic covenant is fulfilled when all of its land is back and when there is, according to Scripture, a king on the throne. That is when you are going to see the fulfillment of these prophecies. And what we are seeing in today's Middle East right now is not the fulfillment. But it is an indicator of the fig tree starting to get summer's nigh, okay? But if we don't understand this, and this is what's happening. We're going to take everybody who comes down the pipeline and says, fulfilled, this is fulfilled, this is it, this is what it is, everyone's Jews, da-da-da-da-da. And meanwhile, we're going, okay, well, we're the Christians, they're the Jews, you know, God's going to deal to them, so they're really going to get their compatence right now. Or, you know, well, God will spare them, they can do whatever they want because they're God's people. we get all sorts of weirdness going on. Now, the lady said there's about 5 million Jews in Israel. About, it's closer to 7, I believe. 7 million yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, and she says that's about half of them that have come home, but you've just kind of said that um, there's more than uh, another. If we're honest with Scripture. Five million Israelis out in the world. If we're honest with Scripture. So yeah. it's not going to be big enough to accommodate them all. Um, so what do we do? To, to me, that when you read the Scriptures, people are saying that when, when the Jews return to Israel, he's going to put a new heart. In fact, at the point that he returns, they'll look upon the one whom they have pierced and mourn as if for an only child. They will actually finally get it. This is particularly related to the tribe of Judah. It seems like the whole nation of Israel will return to the land. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely it will. It's the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. It's a promise. But that has started with you as well. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, has that occurred? I think that we probably are seeing now all the tribes, at least in minor forms, getting back into the land. Um, do I believe it started? Yes, the fig tree is right. But what, the point I'm making is what we're seeing is not the fulfillment of these prophecies. That's all. So there's a difference between um, we're starting to see the times and the seasons come into play and the actual complete and fulfillment of the scriptures. And there are some parts within the church that would like to you to believe that it's only Jewish, <laughs> only Jewish matter, um, that it's all happened, they're back in the land, and we're getting ready for our big fight, fun fight. And this is being taught in end times eschatology right now. It's going to lead to something that I believe is going to fit into what's called the great delusion. And much of the church, apparently according to scripture, is going to buy this. And so this is going to get interesting. Um, but the question is great, and the main thing is this, okay? It is about his house of Israel, whether we be grafted in, whether we be naturally born. You know, we are being brought together as a house. It is the spiritual matter that actually matters here. And if we try and make it just physical and forget the spiritual, we're out of balance. Um, it's so out of balance now because it's only physical as a piece of dirt, and it's only Jewish. It couldn't be more out of balance. That's all. And, yeah, so very rarely do I hear somebody say everybody should be called Israeli because most people don't know that. It's certainly not the way it's portrayed. 
Yeah, hi. Um, it's, my question is similar because it was raised by something you said this morning that uh, we're grafted into the olive tree and that we're the true Israel. Um, I have a bit of difficulty with, with sort of coming to terms with it from uh, what Jesus says in Scripture, uh, mainly that he was going to preach to the seven he was called to preach to the seven of oh, the twelve tribes of of um, Israel, and then um, I also have problems because of what's in Revelation, where he talks about um, the hundred and forty-four thousand, and they're made up of the twelve tribes. So, what tribe are um, non-Jewish Christian people? <laughs> well, their identity—that's a great question. Um, what we do know, and in fact, the very scriptures you're relating to, has anybody ever heard of taught, oh, the 144,000 Jews? Yeah, again, it's not what scripture's saying. In fact, it actually details, quite rightly, sir, um, that it's actually from the, the 12 tribes. So that means they have to be here. So in Revelation, we're having this 144,000 witnesses actually talking about the 12 tribes. But we get the mantras, these are the 144,000 Jews. That's not what scripture's saying. So where are they coming from? Where are they? Um, that is an identity that is being revealed if you look at the Valley of the Dry Bones. Understand? This is an actual revealing. In fact, it says the sinews and the bones are coming together, and you've got the house of Judah is being knit with the rest of Israel. Something interesting is going on. And one is coming with incredible truths that it's preserved through 2,000 years of diaspora. And one is coming with this spirit, and the spirit and the truth are coming together. And one that's been rejecting Messiah, this one gets. And this one that's been rejecting the way Messiah wants his house run is actually being pushed together in this incredible prophecy that's unfolding. And I honestly believe with all my heart, we are witnessing the prophecy of Ezekiel 37, the valley of the dry bones occurring on earth. In fact, I don't think this meeting's happening unless we were. We've got something coming down all over the face of the earth. And his spirit is pouring out like it promised in the last days. Answer to your question, many people are going to discover. And in fact, the Bible says they will even have forgotten the name of their God. But when he's done with this, they're going to know who they are. And they're going to know their Lord is really what it's saying. They don't know. Many of them don't even know who they are. This is actually unfolding, but what we do know is the, the vast portion right now within the so-called Christian Ecclesia or church is starting to go, actually, why am I interested in knowing more? And that's awesome. Okay? And we don't have to be scared of that, you know, because it's bigger. His plan is much bigger than just reducing it to a tribe. themselves a Jew, they're saying they're of the tribe of Judah, specifically. Is that correct? So, of these other ten tribes that have been divorced back in Old Testament time, and they were scattered across the corners, in multiple corners of the world, they've been mixed into essentially every other nation and culture out there, prospectively. Correct? So, one, if Jesus says he's only come for the lost sheep of Israel, meaning people of all 12 tribes, 10 of those tribes being totally lost. Um, how do we know that we may or may not be part of one of those lost tribes? I mean, we can't really genetically scan ourselves and make sure, hey, look, I'm okay, good, I'm genetically part of Israel. Are, are we just supposed to, is that a hope thing? 
or what? Okay, that's a good question. Long story short, what matters is not the physical. Remember, the physical is a typology of? Okay. There, if you want to put it into three groups, just so we, because we just like to do this kind of thing, you have, remember the Egyptians that came out of Israel? Soldiers. You have those who are actually the Hebrew, the ten tribes, physical descent, DNA testing. In fact, there's just some interesting stuff that's being done right now in Seller, and I know you know that. So, so it's interesting. They're actually being able to trace the DNA of African tribes that don't have a clue where they come from. You know, we are seeing DNA being traced right up through the Caucasus, right into Britain. Not British Israelism, but actually some interesting things that are going on. Um, if, for instance, even even the fact of, um, did you know the Scottish Constitution of the 12th century still recognized its forefathers coming from the land of Israel? Isn't that interesting? It's gone now. Does anybody know what Brit means in Hebrew? Covenant. Do you know, does anybody know what Ish means? Man. Covenant man. So you're saying the British are the chosen people. I'm, 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 I always knew it. I'm, I always knew it. I'm saying we're forgetting all this stuff. Look, don't buy into that. There is a movement called British Israelism, which I don't buy into. <laughs> to put this in real context, that I don't buy into. But what I will say is this. Just because there are movements that muddy these waters doesn't mean there are not truths to the prophetic fulfillment that a condition actually was broken by God himself, a promise to scatter them out, and a promise to bring them back is going to occur. And what matters is the spiritual. Whether I can physically prove that I got some DNA link to one of the tribes is probably the greatest exercise in futility you could ever really kind of care about. You know why? Because we are grafted into the house of Israel. And guess what? You've been invited to and his blood paid for so don't get caught up in endless genealogy disputes. Anybody read that in Scripture? Guess what we could get caught up into if we start to discover that we're the house of Israel? Might we get caught up in legalism, endless disputes in genealogy, all this sort of thing? What is greater is the spiritual matter here. And he died for us. So. This is just, okay, hold yeah. on. A strong one. All right, good. Oh, okay. Um, so you know how we've been talking about the whole covenant with Christ and all, and I'm like very you know, interested in the whole grafting um, within Israeli and with the wild olive tree. But what I'm more intrigued in about is like the challenge that God's been taking me through is what what does it look like? Because we can ask all these questions, but what does it look like to live a holy process life? You know, and that's it's an outcome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. The, the whole reason of spirit and truth is to lead us to knowing him. And the ultimate reality of knowing him is going to produce bad fruit in our life or good fruit. You see, if I chase, if you ever heard that thing, if I go driving down the road, and, and look, so many accidents of cars going off the road, you notice they all hit telephone poles? Why? The gap between them is way bigger. How is this happening? But what happens is don't hit the telephone pole, don't hit the telephone pole, don't hit the telephone pole. See, what we're doing is we're getting distracted from the reality of him. And so what, we're, what we chase, and it's in us in our fallen state, we want to chase outcomes. And so when we chase the outcome and not the giver of the outcome, then we end up in this bound up reality, even if it's grace. 
or even if we just get bound up in this because I can't do it no matter how much works I do, no matter what I'm doing. And what we're doing is we're not going to the one who gives the power that, that actually brings about the transformation. What it looks like in my life, great question too, by the way, what it looks like in any of our lives is the more you know him, the more the rearview mirror has to look better. Okay? And the less telephone poles we hit along the way. Do I still hit some telephone poles? Yes. Do I still got some stuff to hit? Yes. But I'm on a journey of sanctification. I was not sanctified. I didn't say, oh, you, you know, literally, I know that the, the, the working out my plan of salvation with fear and trembling, and he is the author of my salvation, is justification, salvation, under glorification. I know I will be sanctified before I'm like it. But right now, I'm on that journey. And what I'm asking, is there anybody here that loves me enough to walk with me on it? That we may know him. And do you love each other enough to walk together? Because if love truly does, you will find love will cover a multitude in the same life. It really will. We can get there. And it doesn't have to be that we're pointing out each other's wrongs and all this kind of things. You know, we literally can walk this together. And he literally can clean us up. He does it. I don't have a right to sit here because of what I am or what I do. The only thing that allows me from not being zapped just like that is what? His blood. If I wasn't covered by his blood, I'm vapor. We, we have to be set free from the performance mentality that we all hold because that's what we're told we need to perform in the world. And so we have to be set free from that to be able to enter into this reality. And the trouble is that it is promoted inside Christianity as well. So that's what makes it even harder. Is that you need to look like this, you need to sound like this. If you don't have this hairstyle or these clothes or speak like this or speak this language, then you haven't arrived. And that needs to die. Because as we all know, we're beautiful to him as we are. And yet we're so insecure in who we are. And we're trying to be someone we're not. We just need to be who we actually are. And so we need to we need to die to that so we're actually all able to walk and accept each other for who we are. Um, let's go, yeah. So we'll do this chap, Ollie, and then we'll... Oh, there's, there's one of the questions text. Okay. I'm very aware of the time as well. Hey, yeah, thanks. Um, I was wondering, now, God of the Old Testament, if God is all-powerful and all-knowing and outside of time and he's absolute, right, his moral is absolute, and he says, go kill the firstborn child of a whole tribe, right? And, like, God of the Old Testament's what I'd concede is real crazy, like it's kind of misogynistic <laughs> and I don't know, I'd almost say kind of evil, but now if he's outside of time and then Jesus came and fixed everything, then that's either absolute or it's not, right? Those commandments that are in Leviticus or the crazy ones like don't eat selfish and like you can't be gay and like all the crazy ones that are listed in Leviticus. Now either that's absolute or it's not. Like My question is, do you think that uh, do I think his laws are absolute? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, then, <laughs> then those laws of the Old Testament are relative now, are they not? Okay. There was, his laws don't change. He's, he says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Right? Okay. I can't change that. What I do know is what did those 613 plus Levitical laws ensure? Moses, it's called the law of Moses. And actually, in the end, it was instructed to be put on the outside of the ark. 
Something, though, however, was instructed to be put on the inside of the ark, and this is recorded for us to see in Deuteronomy. Do you know what went inside the ark? The ketubah. Guess what the mercy seat sits on? The ketubah. Guess what a groom's going to be looking for when we approach the judgment seat of Christ? Is that thing written on the heart that's in front of me? I paid for it. This is really interesting. Now, there'll be a group that claims, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And there'll be a group that actually has this written on her heart. And guess what she's doing? On her face. See, this is it. So, as we keep going with this, all right, can we change what the 613 laws? No. In fact, I don't need to. What I need to understand is the purpose for them. I know it appears that we have a schizophrenic God because, to be quite honest with you, I don't blame you. A lot of the way Christianity has presented the Old and New Testament stories, I agree. We've presented a schizophrenic God. And so I had the same, very similar questions. So what does it mean? So if he goes and wipes out 186,000 Syrians one day, what does that mean? I mean, is this a loving God? Yeah. <laughs> Racist, you know, all this. You know, and, and is that fair questions to ask? Yes. Yet Paul says we're to be able to give an account for the hope that's within us. Um, so if I give you an answer, well, you know, that's God of the Old Testament, but now he's loving. <laughs> you know, like, what's going on here? I've just told you he's schizophrenic. In a way, right? Yeah, so you know that, right. So the key thing is, is that if he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and he says he is love, then I've got a problem on my hands. Either there's something going on here that I need to understand, right? And I need to get in and ask those questions. Now, the questions you've related to actually get to the actual reason, even in and of itself, for some of the things that were going on before and after the flood. We had some very serious things going on with God's building blocks of life. We call it DNA. Now, this, go, this, this is going to play in once again. And in fact, Yeshua said, just as in the days of Noah, there's going to be things going on upon the earth that actually we are playing God. And we actually can create something or things and entertaining things that we shouldn't be to such a degree that this contamination is what he's actually judging. Now, we don't understand this if we give our little sanitized religious Sunday school version of the Old Testament. But if you really want to get into this, it is unbelievable what he will show you as to why God even flooded the world. That he was dealing with something and those 186,000 series, if you knew what those tribes were contaminated with. You see, we can't see what is actually going on. So we look at this and go, it must be schizophrenic behavior from the way I've been shown it. But the way I've been shown it may not have been representing it correctly. 613 Levitical laws. Do you think that he knew that we wouldn't be able to meet those? Okay. Guess what 613 Levitical laws ensured? What's that? It, that it would bear witness against us that would require what? Oh, yeah, yeah, just say that. <laughs> say that. So what would that witness against us ensure would have to occur? That we would need the blood of Christ to cover us. Interesting. So you mean the very sacrifices going on were pointing to something that was coming? And that he was actually ensuring that the very spilling of blood would be related to the forgiveness of missing the mark? Absolutely. And what was nailed to the cross? Well, no, no. The... The, the what? The transgression against them. See, this is very interesting. 
But we like to say, oh, the law has been done away with. Do you know what? If you really want to take away, and we'll finish off with this, okay? Just to make a point clear. If you want to do away with this, his law that he gave at Sinai, I warn you now and I beg you with all my heart as a brother, you are throwing away your marriage covenant. And this is serious. And there's something that's been trying to get you to do this. He's going to write it on your hearts. How is he going to make it better? How do you make something written in stone better? If I sit there and say to my wife, you will do this. How do I make that better? Because I still want these things done. Let's see which ones we can throw away. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Should we get rid of that one? We'll just chuck it all. We can have whatever gods we want. Are you comfortable? We'll just we'll get rid of it now. How about the, we all get together and start our own little cult or sect and we'll we'll get rid of thou shalt no have no other gods before me. Who's comfortable with that? <laughs> okay, don't sit near him. No. They, okay, so who who's comfortable with it? Truly. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep going. What's next? No, 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 you're way too early in the piece for that one. What's next? Ah, thou shalt not make any graven images. Right? Okay, interesting. Well, we'll still keep him, but we'll just make whatever images we want. What do you reckon? Is that okay? I don't know. Golden calf? He's into that? I mean, surely. I mean, we saw the result of that. So are we comfortable throwing that one out? What's the next one? Lord's name in vain. Ambassadorship. So, has anybody here been misrepresented by somebody else? How'd it feel? Yeah, we've got this down to, oh, that's a swear word. Really? That's one of a billion quadrillion different ways that we can have poor ambassadorship for our king. So, but let's just get rid of that one. How's that? He died so I could poorly represent him. You see, the only thing, and I can keep going with this, okay? I promise you this. He's giving us his very character attributes. But what he's saying is this. I don't want to be doing this for eternity because that's not my idea of a loving relationship. I need to take this and get it where? On her heart. And you will find scriptures from the old to the new that will literally tell you this will be written and I will write my laws upon her heart. Yes. The God of the Old Testament is exactly the one of the new one. But did I understand the journey fully the way it had been taught to me, the way I understood it? No. Big question you've asked. A lot of things to look into. We don't have tonight to finish up with that. But great question. I want to speak to you afterwards too. Last question, is it? <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Well, I don't know. I'll go all night if you guys want to go all night. Huh? I've just been really enjoying, Curtis, the, just the the parallel between the spiritual, God's design, and then looking at the physical and, you know, and, and just looking at the, the relationship between the bride and the groom. And my question was, relating to the last slide today, which was the engaged woman. Okay, great one. Who, uh, the engaged woman who, obviously it's as if she's married, but she's not, and in that culture. And so the groom... To be, if he disowns her or says, I'm not going to marry you anymore, he has to die for her to be free. And just relating that to the Messiah and Jesus and 
what he did. Yep. I didn't quite understand that. Okay, no, great question. Um, and let's, let's end on that. Um, boy, I'm going to apologize to whoever sent this other question right now, and we'll, we'll deal with it next week. Um, and that was, how come, some God's, uh, how come some of God's children demonstrate God's intentions, even in the last days, messages through their lives? I'm not sure if I fully understand that. Um, whoever this is, I would really love to, if they could see me before we go. And what we're going to do is um, just make sure that's addressed next week. So my apologies. Um, great way to end the question. Um, if for anybody who doesn't understand this, this morning, or who wasn't here this morning, we were showing the ancient Hebrew marriage covenant and how prophetically, even built into that covenant, is actually this incredible understanding of a coming Messiah. Now, this is what's interesting. They live this out, but actually in the ancient Hebrew laws, if the man decided that he wasn't going to go through and honoring the ketubah, or the condition, sorry, the engagement in our terms, but I don't like to put that in people's heads because it was very serious matter, much more serious than how we treat engagement in the modern Western world. Here's the issue. <laughs> He's looking at what he called an adulterous people. Now, how can you be adulterous against God? It's the only way. So we know this is not a physical matter, don't we? And we're going to talk about leaven later on in the week. We know that what she was being divorced for was because of spiritual adultery. She was going after other gods. Now, this is interesting. So let's put it in human terms. She was getting divorced because she was going after other well, it's actually worse. <laughs> Mystery Babylon is a woman. Yeah. So this is really, really serious business. So I've got a situation on my hand. I have tried over and over. That's it. Bang. Now you think about the heavens. You think about the angels. It says actually this whole plan of salvation, it's teaching even the what? The angels. As this is going, how does this work? So you've got this thing going on, and it's like, okay, how's this going to work? You've got a promise, an Abrahamic covenant, yet you just did something that's thrown this whole thing out. Could anybody in the heavens, in the demonic forces, in Lucifer realm, could anybody at that stage even fathom that God would come down himself and die for her? You see, did he have this plan under control? Because the moment he died, she set free. And the moment he resurrected, she was allowed to what? Guess what she now understands, though? Is this a big, bad God of the Old Testament who just kills indiscriminately and wants it? Or is this a God that loves her? Paul got this. It hit him, and he's going... My goodness. And he even says, this is the great mystery revealed. I speak of what? Messiah and his people. He got it and he's sitting there going, man, this is unbelievable. But he's laying it out in the whole foundations of our faith. And because we will not look at the foundations of our very faith, are we embarrassed that he was a Hebrew? That Yeshua was a Hebrew? Are we embarrassed of that? Because you would think the way that we want to treat this, we don't even want to know. I'll tell you what, if your spouse and you're heading to the altar, 
And she said, well, look, before we go to the altar, I'd like you to meet my family or know a little bit about them. And the answer from your spouse was, oh, no, no, don't worry about that. Well, but I want you to know who I am and, you know, and, and understand me as a person. Yeah, no, no, no. You see, is it possible we could preach a shotgun wedding that's going on? You get there or you die. And we call this the gospel. Or is it possible that there's a God of heaven going, I actually desire you to want to love me back. And we're going to head to the altar together. Because what I got in store is unbelievable. You see, we can preach this two ways. We can look at this. Is death as the ultimate result of his plan and torture and all this other stuff that we want to do? By the way, much of this being a Catholic model. Sorry. No, I'm just, I'm, or we can look at it as life. The, the, um, the, you'd look good in one. No, I'm just kidding. The, um, the, so let's finish on that. These are our choices. Is his model based on love? Is it based on life? Is it based on these things that we can know? Or is it based on this big, bad God of the Old Testament that's bashing people? He wants to torture him and hell for him, all this kind of stuff. But whatever it is, we're going on in this one. Is it possible that when he says, I am love, he means it? And if I told you that even the judgment of Lucifer himself will be based on love, what would you say? Look, I think, I, you know, like I said, I really could go on. But let's close it down. But did any of you find this valuable to do this? We've had, we've had somebody who's obviously struggling to believe full stop. Um, to ask questions though that do we judge him for it? Because what have we been showing? Are these not fair questions? So, so who bears the responsibility? The unbeliever? Or did Paul say it's for who to be able to give an account for the hope that's in them? No. <laughs> it's all of us. <laughs> so we help each other get there. But you know what? We have the truth. We actually have the meaning of life, the truth, the why. And if we actually get to know him, he shares his plan of salvation, why he did it, how he's going to do it. And guess what? People start to sit there and go, oh, my goodness. And you literally, when you're able to convey this truth, you want to know why a Roman soldier, having spent a couple of days with one of these disciples before they got killed, went and got killed with them? Do you want to know how that happened? They weren't a really good talker. I can tell you that right now. Oh, by the way, come and get killed with me. You know, I, I'm serious. I mean, you know, I know it looks crazy, but hey, you know. <laughs> See, what were they able to share? The real thing. And, the, and guess who was sharing it to that Roman soldier? Who was in them? Okay. Do you believe that can exist today? Absolutely. And a world will run to that light. So is it possible that we may not be, as a church as a whole, not you guys, but me and a lot of others, are not, are not perhaps the light that we could be. Yeah, and, but if we keep going and he keeps cleaning us up, guess what we might see in each other? We're going to see him. And when we spend time like this in fellowship and together, guess what we're going to be spending time with? Him. <laughs> Isn't that made? Okay. All right. I'll shut up there.